Kaf Shvat Tafshin Ayin Chet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Kobios with a cover of Rup Schleimer's Chemdat Yamim opens things up here at this uh, week's edition of the Israel Show. We are here live as we are each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM. We are slightly delayed today due to technical difficulties. Just just comes to show you that it really is all live. 
and uh, live stuff happens. Um, so we are here each and every Monday, immediately following Jamie D.A.M., 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time, around the world, whatever time it is that you're listening, that's the time that we're on. But we're also on, even when you're not listening, on demand. Whenever you want to listen to the show, you can go to the uh, Nachum Siegel Network app or to uh, NachumSiegel.com online, and you can listen to five years plus of great Israeli music and talk about news of the day. It's, it's like history. It's, it's like going through a time tunnel, if you will. Uh, thanks so much for making us a part of your week. We appreciate that very much. Um, don't know how we, we, we thinking out loud here. Have to see, being that we have a little less time than we have a lot less time than we would imagine originally planned for. So uh, maybe we'll uh, change things up just a little bit as far as um, how uh, how things uh, how things are going to go. Uh, Itzik Dadie, who was uh, who's a part of the great. Um, Nachum Siegel Network halftime show that took place officially yesterday, but really is all it, it, it's going to be around for a long time. You can go, you can watch it on the Nachum Siegel Network on the on the um, Nachum Siegel Network page, on the Facebook page, or on NachumSiegel.com. So uh, we're going to play something from Itzik Dadier, a relatively new composition of his called Hakol. Tove. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your week here on The Israel Show at the Nahum Siegel Network.
Itzik Dadye, Akol Tov. It's, um, the words are, um, I, I believe, I believe that the words are, um, the translation of or something like that because I don't know Yiddish but you know what I mean, right? Never lose hope if you think good, things will be good everything will be good as long as you have emunah in your heart trust in your heart don't give up hope it's a that's a new one. We have um well originally we had planned to talk about the situation in Israel is in regards to the illegal immigrants. Doesn't that sound familiar? In America we uh hear a lot since uh, the Trump uh, candidacy about the issues of illegal immigration in America. Those on the left like to call them undocumented, which is just yet another laundry mat of words um, that that oftentimes, unfortunately, on the left, they um, like to use different words that sound... We know it in Israel, right? We know uh, that they use occupied territories. They'll never say Yudan Shemron. They'll use West Bank, which is totally crazy. Um, Palestinian refugees, we spoke about UNRWA, how they categorize refugees as, as um, even people who, who were not in, the, in that place for, for more than a few months. Pe- people that were not in Israel, in Eretz Israel in 1948... They weren't there for even a year. Are still considered refugees, not somebody who whose life and home was there for the longest time. So there's this use of language, which is uh, it's scary because uh, we forget about facts and then we work with our emotions based on words and language that's being tossed around. And in Israel now, there is a huge debate about, and and I don't know if there have been polls made, but of course the media is very much um, showing you a one-sided, skewed viewpoint. The, the basic facts, and we can start with that, that over the last approximately 11 years, about 60,000 African people snuck over the border from Sinai, the Sinai border that Israel has with Egypt, and uh, came into Israel. Now, they came from mainly from two countries. They came from Sudan and Eritrea. Um, in Eritrea, there is, uh, according to, to uh, the reports that, that we are told, in Eritrea they are subject, subjected to a very harsh um, draft into the army, which could be like, they, people say it's, it's, it's like being subjected to, to a, a torturous existence. And so um, they, they call it even slave-like, those who, who call it slave-like, um, 
that's in Eritrea and Sudan. There was a civil war. There probably is a civil war. I'm not following that well enough. I'm I'm sorry to say, and um, the um, people have fled from there. Um, now, Israel built a wall, and this is to the credit of the Netanyahu government, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. And people who make fun of the whole wall idea, obviously the border in Israel is much shorter, uh, smaller, uh, shorter in length than, than the one in the States, but people make fun of the idea of a wall. Once Israel built that wall, it, it put an end to the problem of, of, of Africans infiltrating Israel. But up until the wall came up, approximately 60,000 uh, Africans infiltrated Israel now. These 60,000, which is, it's, it's a lot, if you think about it, these are obviously not Jewish people. Um, um, they come from, as we said, Sudan and Eritrea. They are, fall into two categories, and we don't know each person as he comes over what category he's really in, or as we take a look at it, we don't know what category he's in, but they fall into two cat- categories. Each one of them is either a refugee from a place where his life was threatened. And if he would be made to return, if he would be deported to that country, he would die. He would be killed. That's a, a real refugee, what they call refugee. And according to international law, Israel is not supposed to return this person, obviously, to his country of origin, when it's well known that if, if, if he does return to his country of origin, he'll be killed. However, it's not clear how many of these people who snuck into Israel, how many of them are really refugees from oppression, and how many of them are, in many cases, like the Mexicans who comes over the border of the United States and southern United States, looking for a better life. And Israel, thank God we've reached that point in time, Israel offers them a better life, which is, which is fabulous to think about it. But Israel has built up, you know, like they say, a villa in the jungle. And um, it's usually used in a, different, in a different way. Just that expression, villa in the jungle, usually refers to how Israel is like almost a safe place with a very good standard of living and and wonderfully uh, wonderfully uh, modern and around it is a jungle all the arab countries that are trying to kill us who are on a much much lower standard of living so i don't want anyone to misunderstand the villa in the jungle reference used a lot in israel Anyway, so all these, so how many of these that are in Israel now are actually refugees from oppression, and how many of them are people looking to uh, to make a better living? Those looking to make a better living, employment, uh, um, illegal immigrants, if you will, illegal aliens. Israel has no problem fra- Israel really has no problem returning them to their country, deporting them to their country of origin. 
Now, this situation has been going on for a decade. Israel has come up with many plans, many ways to try and deport those who can be deported in a way that would not make them, obviously would not harm them. Israel is not deporting anybody who is in harm's way if, it, if they're deported. And there have been court cases and court cases and court cases. It went to the Supreme Court time in Israel time after time after time after time. And finally Israel reached um, an understanding with other countries, with third, third countries, a third country, meaning there's Israel, there's the country the refugee came from, and then there's a third country in Africa that's ready to take in the refugee, and Israel, I think in a very smart move, um, made arrangements with countries like Uganda and Rwanda that are safe countries in Africa to, for money, take in these refugees. And Israel is paying these third countries for that. That is at least partial presentation of of the of the facts as as um, I know them, and uh, we'll take a musical break. We'll come back and we'll try and share with you the um, the next phase of the presentation, which is what is what is the claim of the left, both in Israel and the reform movement in the United States and those who definitely are on the uh, more left uh, side of the political spectrum, what's their take on this and why they're so upset by what Israel is trying to do. Okay. And by the way, let me just point out, before I forget to point out, that there are those who claim it's racist. What Israel is trying to do is racist because they don't want to have the Africans there. So let me make it clear that over the years, Israel has deported many Eastern European illegal immigrants who snuck into the country. This has nothing to do with race. At the same time, Israel rescued and brought into Israel tens of thousands of African Jews from Ethiopia, as we well know, and as you walk through Israel, you see see Ethiopian Jews all over the place. So, that is not a claim that can be made. I know it's often thrown thrown around, but it's not. Okay, Sarit Haddad, relatively new song. This one is called Amen. Sarit Haddad, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Great music. Amen is, uh, is that number. My name is Mayor Wanger, and you're tuned to Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're talking about the uh, situation with the uh, Africans who snuck into Israel and um, what Israel's been trying to do now. I'm, I'm basing a lot of my information on an article that was published recently in Ma'ariv by one of, uh, one of the most competent investigative journalists that exist in Israel today. His name is Kalman Liebeskind, um, and uh, I've quoted him here before. He, um, he's amazing. He is uh, just an amazing um, journalist, and, and he's real, and he... he, he breaks through all the chatter and tries to get to the facts. So he points out, we're talking, now again, we're, we're, we're saying that the government of Israel has been working over the past years to, to distinguish those who are true refugees who would be in danger if they were returned to their country. And those were allowed to stay in Israel, and we're talking about not a small number. Um, and those who just came to Israel because they want to find a better life, and Israel has no reason to to keep them because, A, they are taking jobs away from Israelis because they'll work for less, but more importantly, they have created, they have all settled in southern part of Tel Aviv, and have created real, literally a no-go zone. A no-go zone. People are scared to walk the streets of those neighborhoods that they're in, and the people who live in those neighborhoods 
have become prisoners in their own homes, and most of them are working class or below. They they don't have the money to get out. Those who had the money to get out of there got out. Of course, their property value has gone down, whatever, and and their life has become torture. The Israelis who live in these areas now, um, the government of, of Israel had tried through the courts to spread the groups around and uh, the court didn't allow it. The court said, no, they should be living together with uh, their within their communities and so forth. So, of course, that creates this crazy, this crazy situation, a totally crazy situation. Um, so, over the past three years, this is very interesting, 2,000 plus Eritreans and 300 plus Sudanese returned by their own choice to their countries. So, if 2,000 plus Eritreans return to Eritrea, do you think they, they, their life is in danger? They weren't forced. They were not forced. They could have stayed. Also during the past three years, over 2,000 Eritreans and over 800 Sudanese, by choice, chose to accept an offer that Israel made to go to either Rwanda or Uganda both of which are considered safe countries where they could resettle in Africa. And this is a part of the arrangement that the government made with these third countries. And Israel paid. Israel paid the third countries to take them in. In a minute, I'll tell you what else Israel did for them. And over the past three years, 3,400 plus Eritreans and 61 Sudanese went to other countries. For example, 1,800-plus Eritreans went to Canada. You understand? So Israel has been dealing with this. And by the way, all this is people that they were not deported. They were not expelled. They did this on their own. They were given money. And here's what Israel gives them. This is just insane. Israel gives each one $3,500 when they leave. They pay for their flight. Israel pays for their flight. They, Israel pays for two nights in the hotel for when they arrive. Now, the those who leave by choice to any of these third-party countries are, are asked to leave their details with the Israeli... Uh, immigration system and within 30 days Israel is responsible they've made themselves responsible to contact them and ask how everything is and see that they're okay now according to the court in Israel the the um, when the government came to plead its case, they were told that none of the people complained that there was any problem or anything like that, that they were were being uh, mistreated and so forth. The government also gives 
each person a phone number, an, an emergency phone number that they can use to call back to Israel. I know that might not always be possible and reach an Israeli official, a government worker, who will, whose, whose job it is to help them. All this is being done by Israel for those who, until now, until now, who left, and we're talking about several thousands already over the past three years of the 60,000 that are here, who left on their own. I mean, that's not really what you hear in the New York Times. It's not what you hear from the left. You hear that from the left, mainly, um, and it's interesting how this always splits between uh, left and right those who are against Israel's government and those who are not. I don't know. First of all, they use Nazi-like pictures. Israel, how could Israel deport these refugees? Didn't we go through the Holocaust? Don't we understand what it means to be a refugee? Don't we remember what it was like when no country wanted us? They, in fact, named one one of the organizations, used the name of Anna Frank... In, the, in, in, uh, in its organizational name, that is supposed to talk to our heart, make us look like we are cruel like the Nazis. What are they talking about? There's absolutely no comparison whatsoever to anything like the Holocaust. Think about this. People are given $3,500 to go to a safe country. The country is paid to accept them. They're given two nights in a hotel when they arrive. Somebody's there to check up on them. Okay. Sounds just like that. I mean, what 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 is wrong with people when they come up with these... I don't know. Okay. The question is, is Israel responsible to absorb 60,000 people who snuck into the country or whoever is left of the of those who still remain in the country is Israel responsible to absorb them just out of rahmanut out of a sense of compassion that they should have a better life to raise their standard of living I could hear where people would say, yes, Israel should try its best. And and if that's what people are saying, okay, I can hear that Israel should try its best to do good for these people. When when Menachem Begin was elected in 1977, the first time the uh, right wing in Israel was in power, one of the fir- I think the first act that he did, he heard that there was a boat of Vietnamese refugees, 60 refugees, I think, who were on a boat. Nobody wanted to take him in. And one of the first official acts of his government was to announce that they're taking in, Israel's taking in those 60 refugees. And he said, you know, here are refugees who have nowhere to go. No country wants to take them in. We're going to take them in. And it was beautiful. And it sent a very nice message. And if Israel could easily absorb a small number of refugees who happened to be in in their country, even though they got there by sneaking in, then yeah, that's what Israel is doing. In fact, anyone who is categorized as a refugee stays in Israel. 
Israel is not sending anyone away, anyone who it's been shown for sure that if they would return to their country would be oppressed, Israel's not sending them anywhere. They're staying in Israel. But does is, should Israel just, in order to make people feel good, to have a little bit of a better life, or even a lot of a better life, and a better standard of living, should Israel keep these um, these people who illegally cross the border at what cost and surely as they are terrorizing a, a, a neighborhood of South Tel Aviv where is the justice there and we had to do a little bit of a shortened version of uh, what, what I wanted to do we'll get, and we'll come back to it and I'm very very interested in hearing your opinion um, if you have facts that would be the best way to uh, to comment with facts. Uh, you can do so on uh, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Next week I'll continue with this subject and read to you a little bit about how the international media, but especially how the New York Times is presenting the story, which is not exactly as we did. <laughs> Shocking, right? Shocking but true. So, again, you will see in the papers possibly or in the news, in the international news and even in some Jewish outlets, you will see talk of Israel deporting people who are refugees. So understand that it's not clear that they are refugees. Understand that Israel is, has done whatever it's done has been done with uh, the direction of the court system in Israel, which is very careful about international law. They didn't do anything that was illegal. This has been going on for over a decade, and all the court cases and all the appeals have been heard. Israel's not sending back refugees. Israel is not doing this in a racist way, as we said. Other Eastern European countries had a similar situation, and we sent them back to there. Other European countries are faced with similar situations, and they, too, have deported people who snuck into their border. Some states, some were deported. And this has nothing to do, is nothing like, and it is an insult to say even that it is, like the Holocaust, and how could the Jews do this when we experienced the Holocaust. That is one of the most, just, it's a sick argument that just does not belong in this conversation. Hanan Ben-Ari brings us Ma'at Tarot Semimeni. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Hanan Ben-Ari asks the question to God, what do you want from us, from me? And that's a question that we're left with still at the end of this conversation. We'll continue with it. We have some great comments on uh, the app from Moshe and from Mitch. Mitch is actually, Mitch from Beit Shemesh is listening, he writes, while walking through South Tel Aviv. And I asked him, what say you about it? And I haven't heard back, but um, the comments of the show stop at the top of the hour when the next show starts. So if you like to participate in the comments, I'm going to try and move some of the pertinent comments that we do have here onto our Facebook page and then uh, invite everybody to, you know, give your opinion. If you have other facts to share with us also that we haven't mentioned, do so. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We are saddened to tell you that uh, while we are on the air... Well, within the last hour, um, a, a 29-year-old Israeli from Har Baruch by the name of Itamar Ben Gal was was murdered by an Arab terrorist, Hashem Yikom Damo, and um, terrorist has not yet been caught. No, I'm sure you'll follow up. He's a father of four from the Shomron, and uh, that's the information we have as of now. No, if you're not listening live, you'll hear. You will have heard about this. Okay try and do this um, last piece on uh, this is a a general story that somehow my life tied into just a drop 
and and I just found it so weird. When I was studying in Israel at Machon Lev, the summer of uh, maybe 1980 or 81, I volunteered some of my uh, days at Machon Somet in Gush Etzion, which is an organization that finds technological solutions to halachic uh, issues and problems of a modern state. And um, the person who I worked with on, on a particular project was uh, Harav Uri Dasberg. Really wonderful person from, uh, lived in Alon Shvud in the Gush, his wife Yehudit, got to know them, really became friendly, just the best of the best type of people that you want to know. Fast forward, June 9th, 1996, very early in the morning, I am sitting at uh, WFMU, filling in for Nachum Siegel, and um, I see on the news, one of the news sites that was watching, that there was a terrorist attack in Israel, and um, there were um, a young couple and their one-year-old child were were driving. An Arab pulled up and shot at the car. Both parents were killed. The one-year-old actually survived. The name was Unger, Yaron and Effie Unger. And I announced this, just like I announced now, nothing changes over, over decades, right? It's like we announced now the name of someone. And as I was reading the story more and more, I see that Effie, the wife, her maiden name is Dasberg. And then I find out that she is, in fact, she was, in fact, the daughter of the Dasbergs who I knew. And I felt a special sadness, connection, always when you know know somebody personally, it adds to your sadness. The uh, the the Dasbergs, who I had, you know, after a while lost touch with, but you know, still they they when they came to the states, we got together and so forth. The Dasbergs took in the children, the one who was in the car and one other brother, and they were their parents. The grandparents became the parents and brought up these children. Sadly, uh, in May of 2011, Uri Dasberg, Harav Uri Dasberg, was killed in a traffic accident. And um, so now, this insanely sad situation where the, the kids, his grandkids, who he brought up as kids, were maspid him at the funeral. And I tell you all this now because the nice piece of news that comes out of it is that this past Thursday, Yishai, that one-year-old who was in the back seat of the car when his parents were shot by the murderers, the Arab terrorists, that one-year-old got married on Thursday, and... Um, Everybody in Israel was just happy 
to celebrate along with them, so to speak, to whatever extent possible. Yishai Unger married Talia, and Mirz Hashem Yakimu Bayit Neeman Israel. We're going to end off with Lashuv Habaita. Yishai Rebo, his latest release. Before we do that, we say thanks for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Immediately after us, coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock, joined by Seth Gordon this week, with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And those of you who know anything about anything about anything know that there was stuff in the world of sports happening just yesterday, I believe, all I know about yesterday was that there was a halftime uh, show of the Nachum Siegel Network, and if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it now. And then after that, the Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race. <laughs> Igi azman leitorer, כשהבן קורא אצילו, אבא שבשמיים מגיע אפילו אפילו שעשינו משהו רע הוא מוכל וסולח, מוכל וסולח מושיט ידו לעזרה ונותן ברחמיו את הכוח לתקן ולשוב אליו
הזמן להתעורר, לעזוב הכל, להתגבר, לשוב הביתה. 